hi guys welcome back to another episode of the sexy scary book club i'm lisa i'm jess still here (laughs) and yeah so we just came off of a um a little hiatus yep kind of a longer hiatus than maybe we had intended but we got to do a lot of reading in between i think (laughs) i got to do a lot of remodeling my bathroom which, right. Yeah. Was, it's not as exciting as reading. I'd much rather be reading, but sure. I've done it. So is it done now? Um, I have a little bit of painting to do, and I'm going to make a little cubby with cheetah wallpaper. It's going to be really sweet. Um, so that's kind of the last finishing touch, but we have a shower and we have tile everywhere. And yeah. What about a toilet? <laughs> we have a toilet, but it's pretty funny. Uh-oh. Jason's going to kill me, but I'm just going to say it. So Jason did the toilet and he did a really good job, but it's just slightly off kilter. So it's got like oh no. a little bit of an angle. <laughs> well, I'm sure that's going to be something that's going to bother you guys forever. So I'm okay with it because I'm like, it's all right. It gives us a little extra leg room because there's not a lot of leg room between the, the toilet and the cabinet. So now we got a little angle, so you can spread out a little more. But um, he's, like, fixated on it, so I think he's going to sure. have to redo it. And it's quite a process. I've learned a lot. There's this wax ring thing and oil and the hole, and there's a lot. So so after all is said and done, would you undertake a bathroom remodel on your own again, or would you hire someone? You know – Today, yeah, I would do it again because it's freaking insane out there. People are charging so much to do anything because everybody is working on their homes right now. I don't, my relations to COVID, I think, and not be able, being able to get certain supplies. So we saved a lot of money doing it ourselves, but I don't know. I'm also sitting here with my back out probably because I've been working on the bathroom. So I don't know. That's my official (laughs) answer. You're Uh, glad you don't have to do another one right away. Oh my god, tile is the worst. Like, it looks really good, but then there's other parts that don't look really good, and it's all I can see. Um, and it's just a lot of work, like physical labor. It's work, but yeah, but we did it. I'm proud of us. <laughs> all right. Well, I can't wait to see the finished product. Last yeah, time I was over. there, the shower tile was done, <laughs> and I think the bathroom. I think the bathroom, but you like hadn't finished, or I'm sorry, the floor. But the you floor. Hadn't finished grouting it. Yeah, that sounds right. So, yeah. yeah, no, there's like a toilet. You could take a shower if you come and stay. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So you're invited to come over again. All right. I actually did see you. We saw each other on the break. We did two times. Two times. Twice. Yeah. Woo! Or wait, no, I think we were still recording when I came for my birthday. I can't remember when we did the last episode, but I feel like it was in January after Christmas sometime. That sounds right. I don't remember either. What, what even was our last book? King of Battle and Blood. Blowpod. of Battle and Blood. Yeah, Adrian. That and... was the one where I cast the guy as like the Witcher dude. That's how I saw him, right? That guy? Yes. Okay. Adrian and Isolde. Isolde. Alrighty. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. I remember the reincarnation that one. and Ooh, well, where I'm gonna now talk just, about reincarnation. Now we're today. just spoiling um <laughs> prior episodes for people. <laughs> That's okay. Whatever. We're terrible. Um, as I always say, read the books first, because I can't be held to, like, the no-spoiler rule. <laughs> read any of the books that we have mentioned during any of these episodes, right. because we will spoil Anything's them on the table to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
yeah, but let's get into it. So at the the ending of the last episode, um, we gave each other a book assignment for the break. And I don't know that we had necessarily planned to to talk about those like for an episode other than just mentioning them. Um, but we, we sort of were reading them and realized there were a lot of similarities between the two. And it kind of gave us an idea for a different direction to take for this season instead of just kind of doing a general book synopsis for a book each week. We thought, well, what if we pick a theme and then we can each give the other person a book assignment that we think is like reflective of that theme. And then when we meet, we can kind of talk about those books and how they relate to the theme that we picked. Um, Mm -hmm. So that just sort of happened organically this time because um, the two books that we picked had main characters that wore veils. Like, how odd is that? Like, why are there multiple books with main characters that wear veils? Like, literal veils, not like a metaphorical veil. Like, a literal veil. Yeah. And so now I'm like, are there more? I don't know. It's just, that's strange. Yeah. And then also, like, they both kind of had really bad moms. Yeah. And I was thinking about that once we came up with this theme. I'm like, wait, is that kind of a thing in these books? Like, is there a lot of bad moms in these books? I'm like, maybe not bad moms. There's definitely, like, missing parents. Questionable heritage. Questionable heritage. Right. I think that is more of the general theme. But yeah, these both have bad moms. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, so there you go. Organically, we got our theme for the first episode. It's veils and bad moms. (laughs) And like bad moms or bad parents might (laughs) might come back again as a theme, but probably not the veils. I hear veils and bad moms and I'm like, your wedding day. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. (laughs) If we talked about contemporary romance, I'm sure we could definitely bring this theme back again. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I'll get started. So your book assignment for me this, uh, this time was A Fantasy of Frost by Kelly St. Clair, and it's book one of the Tainted Accord series, um, and the first book released on January 14th of 2015, so it's a little bit older of a series. How is that Um, older? I know. <laughs> doesn't seem like that long ago. Um, and then there's a there's four books in the series, which, you know, since we were on an extended break, I obviously read the entire series. You did so. read them all. Okay. I was curious because yeah. I was kind of relying on you to remind me where that first book ended because I don't remember. I oh, remember well, the whole series. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't really take a lot of notes uh, for this book. I don't even think I, I, I don't even have my Kindle with me. So I don't even think that I highlighted any passages or anything. So um, I'm kind of just going off the cuff. So I don't know that I'm going to be helpful with that because now it's just like a, the full story in my, <laughs> my head, um, you know, which I'm not obviously going to talk about it in its entirety. Um which I think we've kind of done that in the past. We sort of just synopsized from start to finish. And, um, you know, I certainly might do that and I might spoil the ending of things. So I'm not going to like say that I'm I'm not going to do spoilers anymore because I can't hold myself to that. Um, but what I will say is I think that I kind of just want to talk about like the stuff that stood out to me um, in the book. So obviously I'm going to be touching on stuff that happened in some of the other books as well. Um but I'll try not to 
to spoil all of this. You know, I think that we should just be honest with ourselves and know we're probably going to spoil some stuff. Yeah, It's just probably. kind of the way we roll. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the last book in the series was uh, book four, and it's called They're All a Fantasy Of. So the last one's A Fantasy of Freedom, um, and that one released in 2016. So they kind of all came out in a pretty short – yeah, which is nice when you're waiting for the next book to release. Um, this is a YA series, so I'm going to say, like, immediately that was kind of a flag for me because, as you know, I like my spice, and right. you never know what you're going to get spice-wise with the YA. Sometimes it surprises you, and then other times, like, you get nothing. I couldn't remember, but then when you said something, I was like, oh, wait, this is a fade to black one, isn't it? And I, yeah. I vaguely do remember that kind of, like... Yeah, it reminded me of movies when I was a kid where, like, they're getting in bed and then it just fades out. And then the next morning they awake and you know something's happened, but you didn't get the details. Yeah. And, like, no, I'm okay. I'm okay with that because I think, look, I like it when there's spice, obviously. I like it when there's spice. It's sexy and that's a big part of the reason that I read this uh, genre of, of book. But I think that the thing that mostly puts me off of YA books is when it's not really like an adult theme. So, you know, like when they're like still in school or there's more like kind of teenage problems going on in the universe. And so this book was satisfying to me because even though it's YA and the main character is pretty young, I think she's like 18, 19. Well, it gets ambiguous because she, she finds out some, you know, secrets about her lineage uh, that that make her think that she doesn't really know how old she even is as the story goes along. But, you know, she's young. She's like somewhere between 18 and, and 22 uh, throughout the the series. So, but she is dealing with kind of a, adult themes. Like, you know, we're not talking about, oh, she's going to school and this and that. Um, you know, she's, she's has adult (laughs) problems and there's like adult situations and stuff like that that are happening in, in the book. So it didn't read as all that YA to me, even though the characters are pretty young. Um, so, you know, it gets a pass. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and veils and bad moms, that's something that you carry your whole life. So it makes sense that like the themes feel adult because I think that's something you can, uh, start to experience as a young child and then like I said it goes on and on and on that good old mother wound so sure I think it's very relatable for any age <laughs> yeah and I think you know where she starts in this series so her name is Olina and she I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation of this but she's the Tatuma or Tatum of Osolis which means her mother is the Tatum or Tatum, which means the ruler, the queen, the head of their state of Osolis. And her being Tatuma or Tatuma um, means that she is going to take over next. Like she's kind of like prince and queen, which is, um, you know, when we meet the other part of the world, they do go by king and prince. And uh, so We've got this weird, another thing I liked about this is it it is a fantasy, but there isn't really anything magical that happens. It's set in this kind of ambiguous time frame of sort of kind of medieval-y, 
I don't know. I don't we're even know that, that the weird ambiguous time frames where you're yeah. like, eh, I think they're wearing dresses and tunics, but I <laughs> right. don't know. <laughs> yeah, it could be pr- past, present, future. I'm not sure. But it it is interesting in the fact that there isn't really any – there's no magic. There's no shape-shifting. There's no immortality. Like, everyone is p- pretty human. Yeah, they're just in a different kind of world. Yeah, just a different kind of world. And so there's these two – this is another one where I believe you get a map at the beginning of the book, but since I read it on Kindle, I can't see. But yeah, there's these two, like, circles on the map that are Osalis, which is where Olena lives. And there's another area called Glacium. And in between those, there's this kind of weird – I want to say, like, a mountain range, but it's these, like – shelves of earth that are really treacherous yeah. to climb i find and that it, so fascinating i think it's like floating rocks or yeah like and it moves sides yeah so and you like, have to like jump through it like a video game yeah and the and so the way that the the year passes is it moves into these different cycles and you have extremes on both sides of weather so it gets really really hot in osalis and it gets really, really cold in Glacium. And depending on which phase of or cycle of the year that you're in, uh, they actually have to like pick up and move to another part of the territory because like zones, right? Yeah, because the zone that they're in gets like too hospitable. Either it's on fire, like literally, people's homes burn down every year if they are poor and can't afford to make it out of the material that's um, fire proof or you know they're so cold that you would freeze to death if you stayed there in glassium so world building wise i'm all in like i think this is so mm-hmm. such an interesting concept um and it doesn't even have magic in it so I, usually it has to have some sort of like fantastical element to me to keep me interested but this weather weird stuff kind of did the trick i didn't even think um, about that yeah you're right and yeah then, later on is there some magic there's something no. right no not yeah. really no oh all right um so they also of course as with any story are kind of enemies the people enemies of glassium yeah <laughs> the people of glassium <laughs> and the people of osalis they don't get along but they have this like uneasy alliance because I think they kind of need each other for the supplies and stuff like that that are available in each mm-hmm. area. Or at least I know Osalis does with Glacium. I'm not really sure. I think like the Osalis army is supposed to be stronger or you get the you get the idea that Osalis is more refined and educated and uh, Glacium, they're kind of like bigger and more brutish and they, they're like they very lack politeness. Viking-ish. Like, yeah. You know. <laughs> well, and I I also got the idea that they're more human. Yeah. Like Osalis, almost if you're thinking of it as, as like this alien world, like Osalis is sort of the more like advanced, you know, they they aren't led by emotion as much as Glacium, and so they're able to like be more objective, uh, whatever. Like they think they're superior. And that's sort of the idea that uh, our main character, Olena, has grown up with that, you know, they're the superior race. or Which allows for bad mothers, oddly. 
I was thinking about like in my book too, like there's this has to be this idea of you're superior to be able to like remove that emotion of like you're being connected to your child or something. I'm not sure. Let me work yeah. on this a little. <laughs> I'll workshop that. Yeah. Um. So every, I don't remember how long it is now. I want to say like every seven years or every some kind of some cycle. Odd, yeah. yeah, they have like representatives that come over for, to from Glacium to Osalis, like the delegation where they, you know, meet with the leaders and they talk about like the peace treaties or, you know, what they need to trade for supplies and stuff like that. And I think they take turns, like what either someone, a, a delegates from Glacium come over to Osalis or vice versa, a delegation from Osalis will come to Glacium. But when we start the book, the delegation from Glacium has been in Osalis for a while because I think they stay there for like three years or something like that. Right. Which is very strange. <laughs> um, so they have been there for some time and we learn that there has been a closeness that's been developing between Olena and uh, Prince Kedrick, who is the prince of Glacium. And, you know, they've got a friendship. Um, I think there's been like some flirtation going on between the two, but it's there's a lot of propriety in her society. And so they haven't, you know, done much beyond just kind of developing a, a repertoire. No, that's not the word. Banter. <laughs> yeah, banter, friendship. They do kind of sneak off and spend time on their own when maybe they're not supposed to really be alone together. Um, but here's the big thing with Olina is that she is veiled. So she, since, a, since birth, has had to wear a veil. In fact, I think that it was, she hadn't even been allowed to see another person besides her mother and probably whoever was in charge of, of caretaking for her, because I can't imagine her mother did it, uh, were the only people that were allowed to see her. Right. Um, and then once she started to have interactions with other people in the world, she had to always be veiled. And there were no mirrors or even like reflective surfaces. Like they filled in bodies of water, um, yeah, anything crazy. to like av avoid her being able to like look upon herself. So she's never even seen her own face. Right. Um, she's got and, like a full veil, right? Like I feel yeah, like in like my book it's even, like lips are still seen, but like she's just like yes. blacked out. Like. Yeah. And she can't even, it, it, it impairs her vision. So it's yeah. not even something that she can really see out of all that well. And so, you know, that she talks about that, how she's had this limited vision because of the veil and she's had to, uh, you know, heighten her other senses um, which I kind of felt like that was maybe a little bit of a weak link because I don't, that's not like a well that they come back to that much. Like it, it kind of mentions in passing like her heightened senses a few times, but mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know. That, I don't know that it really focuses that on that That does kind of speak once again, though, to like, this is a fantasy, but these are just kind of normal everyday people. Um, and so she would have not superpowers, but like the heightened senses, senses would kind of play into like the replacement of since there's not magic, we can mm -hmm. explain why she's really good at fighting or she's really yeah. good at this thing, you know? 
Yeah, so of course she has an unruly side to her, but she's also very oh, well loved do. by her people. She does things like steal food so that she can give it to the less fortunate. Um, you know, she's very into the fact that she is at some point going to be taking over as ruler. And so she sees what her mom is doing and, you know, sees the changes that she wants to make. And she's very focused on that. Um, she is also not treated very well. So she's treated quite cruelly, in fact, and she's beaten on a regular basis. And, uh, that's that's maybe kind of harsh. I mean, in your book, actually in your book, in your world, there's a couple of different characters. And I think <laughs> one is definitely treated less well than the other. Um, but they're both, they're both like being used for very specific reasons that make their kind of general existence uh, meaningless. You know, they're not valued as full their purpose is given meaning but not their actual humanity yeah Yeah. um whereas whereas you get the sense with olina that she's kind of just being punished for something and she doesn't really understand what she doesn't know why she's veiled obviously there's a reason that her mother doesn't want people to see her face but she doesn't know what that is she just assumes that she must be horribly disfigured And her mother tells her that. She tells her how ugly she is all the time and how, you know, she's lucky she doesn't have to see herself. And um, So mean. Yeah, so it's kind of an interesting, like, setup for her because she has siblings. So she has three younger brothers, and one of them is fairly close in age to her, only like a year or two younger than her, Olandon. Um, And then she's got two other younger brothers who are, pretty small they're probably like i don't know kindergarten they're like toddlers right i think they might be a little older than that but yeah they're very young but so obviously her mom hates her like you get that impression right off the bat she there's a mysterious mysterious father so i guess like the person who she assumes is her father has died and her mother is remarried to this guy who's kind of just an insignificant character. Um, and I think that, I guess we don't know who, the, we assume that the same father is for Olena as for Olandon, so that they're like full siblings, but the younger siblings are a product of the new guy. Yeah. I'm I'm fuzzy on that, if it was even made a point of. I mean, it doesn't really matter. Um, I don't even remember the new guy, so. <laughs> he's, he's kind of not it's much like of no a presence of at all. <laughs> um, I think he ends up dying pretty early on, and it's fairly insignificant. But she also has an uncle, and the uncle is him. like. The, yeah, the uncle, it's kind of the mom and the uncle are in cahoots to really mistreat her. And she has to report to this specific room where her beatings take place just kind of for the entertainment of her mother and her uncle for whatever slight perceived slight that she has done um and you know it's she makes a point of saying like they the carpets aren't even changed out in the room so they're just stained with blood from previous beatings and it's it's really dark like she lives this very sad life where she has a great relationship with her brother and with 
you know, her people. She visits an orphanage and helps there, but it's also kind of a, a guise for her to get out of the house because she also has regular meetings with her trainer, which is a queen, I think is how to say it. Aquin. Aquin. And her, he is also the trainer for her brother. But she knows how to kick ass, you know? This is <laughs> maybe another trope for this genre. But it's one that I really enjoy because I like when you see them get strong. Mm-hmm. So you are aware. We've talked about that before. You need yeah. an explanation of why yes. they are as strong as they are. Yeah, because <laughs> they always end up kicking ass later. And, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, there's been a backstory for this of, like, how you learned to become such a force it's not just this random like oh now all of a sudden I can take down a a small army of men even though I'm (laughs) slight female with no other power um which I don't know like I still found it to be a little bit she's supposed to be really tiny that's the other thing like the people of Asalus are these kind of slight short small delicate people and the people of glassium or like you said kind of like vikings they're these big like brutish even the the females are tall and powerful warriors um but she has like no problem taking down seven eight of them at a time all on her own (laughs) which i mean you know like yeah you're a skilled fighter i get it but at the same time seven huge dudes are probably gonna be able to overpower you no matter how skilled of a fighter you are I don't know I feel like that is something I forgive because that definitely happens in a lot of the books we read where it's like there's no way that this person could have taken out like a dozen people no problem yeah you gotta like suspend disbelief for sure and it didn't bother me it just made me kind of go I don't know about that but yeah I was totally like sucked in at that point so it didn't matter um so she's got this relationship with with Kedrick and she he's leaving soon. So by the time we come into the story, like the delegation has been there for quite some time. They're kind of on their last little bit of their trip before they're going to have to go home. And so she realizes that she's probably never going to see him again or, you know, it's not like you can travel easily between the two places to meet up or visit each other or anything like that. Um, he really wants to see her face. And that is something that is dangerous. And she knows that it's dangerous because it's happened before where a small child like accidentally, you know, just like a small kid kind of like ripped her veil off or, you know, not meaning anything. And the child ended up being killed because. Yeah, that's dark. Yeah, because she saw her face. And Why so did I recommend this, this book? <laughs> so it's this terrible fate. And so it's really like something that she has to like weigh you know, within herself to figure out if it's going to be worth it or worth the risk. But she figures, you know, if she does it in secret and nobody will know and then he'll leave, that it it will be safe. And so she agrees to meet him at night. Um, And you get this kind of sweet moment. And they've kissed, you know, once the story starts, they've kissed a couple of times through the veil. Um, and it's just like this kind of sweet story. And so, you know, they meet and, you know, she takes her veil off and like kind of as soon as she does it, this like look comes over his face where he's like fixated on something that's standing behind her and he gets hit with an arrow and he dies. 
And like kudos to this book because it was definitely a misdirect um, as some of them are with <laughs> like who the love interest is going to be. Like you yeah. definitely think it's going to be Kedrick and you just assume that, you know, they're going to be separated, but eventually figure out how to find their way back to each other. But he's murdered like pretty early on. Not before making a faux pas, because one weird thing about their their people is that everybody's O something. So like Olina is her name, her brother's Olandon. And that's a signifier that you're unmarried. <laughs> and so once you become married, the O will drop from your name and you'll just be Lena or Landon or what have you. And so... Kedrick makes the faux pas of, of calling her Lena at a dinner. And it's like one of those, like all the the noise in the dining room stuff. Right. <laughs> because basically he's just told everyone they're sleeping together, even though they're not. Like yeah. that's how bad the faux pas is. And so she ends up getting beaten for that, um, which, you know, she doesn't tell anybody. I think her brother might know that she gets beaten. But it's something that she kind of keeps secret because it's shameful and she doesn't want people to know, even though I think like everyone in the castle probably does because they see her being like escorted to the room. They probably hear the noises of her being beaten. And then, of course, she's beaten afterwards. You know, she's injured um, sometimes for weeks. Uh, It's very dark. Mm -hmm. And you get a, a snapshot of what her life looks like pretty well like early in the in the film early in the story because all of a sudden like she's going to be going on on a journey so Kedrick dies and the rest of the delegation that he's with they immediately um suspect that Olina has had something to do with his death and so they think that the easiest solution for them is just going to be to kidnap her and to take her to Glassium and to probably make her stand trial and kill her. And they are very aware that this is probably has been all very strategic to start a war between the two places because they've got this like very tense relationship already with each other. Um, and so, you know, that that sort of happens right away. So you, like, get this, you're in her world, you, you're there long enough to get a real understanding of what life is like for her um, and that and what her personality is and how she's grown up and the things that are important to her. And then all of a sudden you're, like, with the delegation making your way across this very treacherous floating landscape <laughs> to get back to uh, Glassium. And, you know, she doesn't know if she's going to live or die or what her fate is going to be. And there are people in the delegation that she's been friendly with and I think believe that she didn't have anything to do with Prince Kedrick's death. But there are definitely those that don't believe that and that want her dead. And even the ones that that do like her, there's a distrust for sure. They think she knows more than she says she does. Um, And for her, she's just, she saves the arrow that he was shot with because it is not a material that is used to make weapons in Osalis. So she knows that 
the murderer was likely not from Osalis, and that likely she was the target of the assassination because he she was standing in front of him with her back to who killed him and he like shoves her out of the way basically and takes the arrow and so she knows and is kind of keeping that to herself for now um but she's on her own sort of mission to kind of find out who killed him and and take (laughs) vengeance to be a detective (laughs) yeah and so you know she makes her way across i don't remember even what they called it (laughs) they call it two different things the I want to say like the Skotos Mountains, but that could no, be No, that's my one. book. Okay, okay, okay. Um, I forget. Whatever it's they call it. something like, like, darn it. I mean, I read this book a long time ago, but uh, I think it, it might be something with S, like the scales or something or the... They call it different things anyways. Um, but anyway, they make their way across that treacherous journey and she kind of endears herself to them a little bit because they see that she's tough. They see that she's kind of capable, although she doesn't want to show them how capable she is because she thinks, well, that'll make them even more suspicious (laughs) that I had something to do with his death. Um, At one point, she actually saves one of the other members of the delegation from death because he falls. And so she ends up like jumping with a rope to save him and she screws up her wrist and I think she pops her shoulder out of socket. And so by the time they get to Glassium, she's already kind of proven herself to them and they like her and they think, you know, maybe there's more to the story. And when they get there, they introduce her to Prince Kedrick's brother, the king, uh, Jovan or Jovan. And I think it's pretty clear right away that he's going to be the love interest. He's the one. Yeah. <laughs> um. And he's, like, also really young. I don't know. In my mind, I just make everybody older. Because I think he's supposed to be, like, 23 or something. So he's, like, kind of a newer king. I think their father died not terribly long ago. So he's still, like, settling into this role. Um, But he's very, like, big and boisterous and firm and scary. And, you know she is kind of wary of him from the get-go. And one thing that I really like about his character is that he, like, kind of just crashes in everywhere. He's got, Yeah. Like, he's always, like, slamming through the door, and she's like, oh, of course it's you, because, like, nobody else enters a room that way. Uh, but he's he's obviously suspicious of her at first, but pretty quickly he warms up to her. Uh, And he does, like, rip her veil off. He, like, comes to see her, I think, like, the same night that she got there or shortly thereafter. And she's, you know, kind of being kept as a prisoner, but she's being treated fairly. You know, she's giving, she's not in a cell or anything. She's being kept in a room and she's given, like, ways to bathe herself and food. And uh, But he, like, gets drunk and crashes into her room to kind of accost her pretty much. Yeah, in a sexy way. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But he, like, slams her up against the wall because he's like, you know, you killed my brother. Like, she she told him that she let her brother see his face. And so he's like, I got to see your face to, like, know what's going on. And so he looks at her and he's, like, horrified. And he puts the veil back. He's like, you got to keep yourself veiled at all times. (laughs) And she's like, oh, shit, I must be really fucked up looking. Um, right. So 
she again just being who she is she is just kind of like a nice person who's obviously very caring and empathetic and doesn't really have like any sort of conniving or, or evilness within her and so she just by virtue of being at the castle is like making friends and endearing herself to people and she gets like a little crew it's mostly the delegates and they all like her after she saved the one guy's life and she makes friends with their wives and you know is hanging out she gets a dog which I was like oh god anytime there's a dog I had to text Jess and be like this dog makes it through the series right because like I, I need to know that if the classic Jess um I don't I think it does I don't quite remember I'm pretty sure the dog makes it the dog makes it for those I would have remembered yeah for those of you that, that get nervous about that kind of thing too I'm the same way with a movie there's if it's some sort of action movie and there's a dog I'm immediately like googling does the dog yeah. die because if they do well, I don't want to watch it what anymore. was that movie I think it came out in the 90s and like it was like a natural disaster movie and I remember the dog dies and I was like it's probably that one with Will Smith terrible movie no not that one oh because I didn't watch that that's I the like that one had aliens or one something too. right yeah something no this like is that. like Sylvester Stallone I mean it was terrible oh. and I remember they're like stuck underground or something and the dog like leaps through and never comes back and I'm gonna like crack myself up if I just don't remember the ending and the dog does come back I'm pretty (laughs) sure the dog dies oh and then another I'm making a new theme here when the dog dies um freaking I'm not reading those fear no the movie fear that I was like I hated that movie so much because of what they did to that dog yeah so sad I I Kill all the people you want to kill, but leave yeah, the animals alone. Dogs. I, I like it really sits with me. Anyway, the dog ends up being fine. Really, the dog's not even in it that much, to be honest. Um no, so cute. I think it's more yeah. of a show like kindness. She's being like, accepted. Yeah, yeah. She's very interesting, be interested in because they have, you know, it's a snowy environment. It's really cold there. So they've got, you know, dog sleds. And the one of the the dudes on the delegation that she makes friends with is kind of in charge of training the dogs and running the sleds and she's very interested in that and so he ends up giving her this puppy and saying oh you know you can train this dog and kind of see what that's like so all of a sudden she's like got a much much nicer life honestly than the one she came from like nobody's beating her uh you know king joven's kind of like i don't know he's rough but he doesn't trust her, but he's also kind of nice. And he is like kind of doing things for her and seeing like kind of showing an interest in her. And so there's, I don't know. I feel like that might be one kind of weakness of the series is I don't really know that they do enough to kind of foster the closeness that ends up between those two. Like they Mm -hmm. don't get a lot of scenes together to kind of establish that he's growing to care for her. It just seems like he's, engaging with her and seeing the way that the other people in the castle are engaging with her and that sort of makes him feel more soft toward her i mean that makes sense though he's the king and those are his people and so he's seeing like this you know connection happen between her and his people and she's treating his people well so i I could see how that would endear him to her yeah but there's you know she sees this country and it's nothing like what she has been taught 
that it is. Like the people are kind and loving and yeah, they may, might not have as much class, I say with air quotes, because they're real. You know, they like, mm-hmm. they have sex and they laugh and they drink and they, they live life and they don't have these kind of straight laced customs where you don't ask questions and you don't show public displays of affection and you dress more proper. You don't have it all like kind of hanging out, uh, which I think is funny because it's colder there. So you'd think that they would wear more clothes. (laughs) Well, they're moving around more, so it's okay. I suppose. Yeah. But they have like a couple of balls and the women are dressed like very scantily and (laughs) Olina's like, I'm not wearing that. Or like, what the heck? Um, Right. I'm not dancing. I'm not doing this. Uh, but finally she works up the courage because she really wants to look at herself. Like, can you even imagine like having never seen yourself? Like, I can't imagine. I would have found a way. Like, I I would have found some some way. Honestly, like you don't have like, you're not worried about your looks at all. You don't equate anything with that. I guess. But if such a, like a big thing has been made about your looks, like how are you not going to be cure you know like what is wrong with me like why do I have to wear this veil uh and so finally she works up the courage because they do have mirrors but you know there isn't a mirror in her I guess they must not be like super common still maybe they're expensive I don't know um but there is a mirror at one of the wives houses and so she's like she sees it and she like doesn't go through with it one day and so she has to like make this big thing about working up courage to go there and like making an excuse to the bathroom yeah like (laughs) I'm gonna pretend like I want to learn how to sew I think that was like the ruse for her going back there but anyway she ends up seeing her face and clearly she's gorgeous right because that's just any heroine of the story is gonna be hot to trot (laughs) but she has blue eyes Dun, dun, dun. Dun. So she can't be full-blooded. Yeah, she can't be Solati because no Solatis have blue eyes. Only the Bruma, the people from Glacium, have blue eyes. So she's still small in stature and she's got dark hair. Uh, and I think her like skin tone is kind of olivey or whatever. And that's all standard for the Solati but no Solati has blue eyes. And so that's like a dead giveaway that her mom fucked a Bruma. And so she's half Bruma. And that is like, would collapse the societies. Which is kind of ridiculous. Like, really? (laughs) That's like the end all be all that, you know. Because you, that's the other thing too. It's like hard to believe that that hadn't happened other times wait I think that gets developed doesn't it yeah it does because mm-hmm. yeah so so this this is like a real whirlwind this series and it kind of reminded me a bit of Savage Lands the Savage Lands series and that it's like as soon as you get comfortable with one world you're like off to another one so as right. soon as you get comfortable with Olina's world in um Osalis you're whisked off like through the mountains And then you're over in in Glacium and you're in the castle and you're like meeting all of those characters. And as soon as you get comfortable with that. um, So I'm going to say it ends about something happens with Joe. Oh, they fuck. So they have a ball and she wears. (laughs) They fuck. Yeah. So this was like 
hilarious to me. And I, w- I wish I would have highlighted it, but it doesn't matter because it was like one line. So I'll get the gist of it. So at this point, like feelings have been growing a little bit with Jovan and Olina, but there's still a lot of like ambiguity there. And she doesn't really know how he feels about her. You know, I think, and I don't think he really knows how he feels about her at this point. Like, obviously he knows that she's half Bruma and he knows like, oh shit, that's a big deal. Like this can't get out. Um, But he's coming to care for her. You know, there's one scene where she gets, uh, what is his name? I don't even remember what his name is, but it's the guy that runs so much more than I do. Well, I just read it, (laughs) Uh, but it's the guy that runs the sleds and he's like, oh, I'm going to teach you how to do it. And I gave her the puppy. Yeah. And Jovan's like, like, hell you are like, you're staying away from those sleds because you learn that his father actually had a, a sledding accident and that's how he died. And so he doesn't want Alina to do that because he cares about her and he's worried that something bad is going to happen to her. Uh, But anyway, so there's this closeness that's growing. And so they're at the ball and he is kind of talking to her a little bit and he wants to dance with her, but she doesn't want to dance. And so she's drinking a little bit and she's not used to that. And he's also drinking a little bit. And he even says that, like, I don't drink that much. Because, you know, he he's aware that the one night he kind of burst into her chambers that he mm-hmm. was drunk. And he's like, that's why I don't, you know, normally I don't drink because I like to keep control over my emotions. Uh, but it's a ball, so he's drinking a little bit. And so, you know, basically they just get frisky with each other. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> and I could be, like, mixing up even which book this is happening in because she does run away quite a few times. But whatever, I'm skipping ahead to this whenever it happens because it's hilarious. So you're wondering, like, is there going to be any spice? Is there going to be any spice? And so they're kind of, like, making out against her door. And then he, like, no, this is later because it's after she runs away to the pits. But whatever. They end up fucking. And he... (laughs) So it is, like, a fade to black, but it's kind of not. So... There's just one line. He's like, oh, you know, they kiss or whatever. You don't get any foreplay at all. And then all of a sudden he's like, oh, shit, I can't stop. And then it's like the next morning. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember any of this, but I laughed out loud. Because, like, I assume what happened was he realized when he was, like, halfway in that she was a virgin Oh, that's right. And that's so he's right. like, oh, I'm halfway in, so I can't stop. Like, sorry. I'm going to take it. Sorry. Yeah. And like, yeah. that's it. And I was like, really? You're not even going to warm her up, Jovan? What a selfish lover. Yeah. Like, we don't get any fingering or <laughs> Yeah, you know, sex. right? Like, I think our bar has changed a lot because we've been reading a lot more books where there's like, you know, there's oral sex. There's a lot yeah. of like. Some foreplay. Burn, a little little fingering, as you yeah. would say. And like, this book was not that. Like, No. They, yeah. <laughs> and I do appreciate that, like, okay, well, at least there's sex, you know. At least these are like two adults that the reader you know is. sex to be, Yeah, exactly. And so like, that's something. But as far as spice goes, like this series is pretty tame. You don't get any on what they call on page sex scenes, except for that one line where he's like, oh, shit, Alina, I can't stop. (laughs) (laughs) That's all you need to know. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, like it 
like there are I was like there better be something else besides this like this is, if this is the one and only like sex scene that we get I'm gonna be mighty mightily disappointed um so you know you definitely get some like sweetness between the two as the series goes on where like I don't know it's still a, a very fade to black because it is a YA series and the reading age is like between 13 and 18 and, you know, even the, oh, shit, yeah. I can't stop. is That's a little risque if we're talking about, like, a middle schooler reading. <laughs> it is cracking um, me up because your memory, like, you remember the sex scenes or the lack of sex scenes. And I'm already like, I don't remember them in my book. I know. I'm pretty sure they happened. They happened, oh, right? I yeah, remember they had to all of them. Yeah, that, I don't. I Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I'm going to. So. I'll just hit like a couple other points because as it turns out, I've talked way longer about this than I had intended okay, to. So I don't have much to say. <laughs> <laughs> so how could you not have like your story is so rich? Because I don't um, remember things like you. <laughs> okay. Well, so she gets freaked out and she runs away. And so basically you get like you get to meet a whole other host of characters because she runs away to this area, this kind of like nefarious area of Glassium called the Outer Rings. And this is where all the like crime happens and this is where all the poverty in glassium is and this is where she like meets basically she tries to get taken by like sex traders uh because there's a lot of uh sex work happening prostitution what have you i think they straight up call it prostitution in this book but um so you know that that would be her value in the outer rings as a woman but she kills all of them like seven of them and yeah somehow she finds her way to uh alzona who see like sees her and basically is like i'll help you like i can help you but you're gonna have to fight for me and so you get this whole new rich world of there's these things called the pits and they have different groups of fighters that train and and fight against each other in the pits and this is like how people make money by fighting and winning uh kind of like ultimate fighting championships or uh um gladiators sort of in that same vein Mm -hmm. and so now all of a sudden she's like really able to show what she can do because she's been training her whole life and she loves it and that she it's kind of like this is where she really starts to wake up and you get to know her full personality and she feels like at home she's living this like real pauper lifestyle training in these barracks um and meeting all these other fighters and kind of becoming part of the group uh and you get to meet another bunch of cool people that kind of go with her through this journey she's got like um, a fighting crew like they're all they're all owned by that um, anzonia whatever yeah you said i don't remember names but yeah and she doesn't and have a veil on at this point right no she's because she's like now she's living her alter ego so if she wears the veil everybody's gonna know she's the tatuma yeah. who's been kidnapped and you know is being held at the castle so now she's able to just live uh what frost right because it's a fantasy of frost so that's her fighting name and so she goes by frost uh and ultimately like she does make her way back to the castle because the pits are illegal and so like they end up getting busted uh and normally all of the fighters will be killed they do these like I don't know. I guess this would be more like the gladiator style fights. So once they've been discovered, like everyone kind of goes into this like huge gladiator style where not, you know, it's to the death. And yeah. the normal pit fighting is like every once in a while somebody gets killed. But for the most part, it's just like whoever's left standing and you can call it. Um, 
but she ends up kind of just having to get everybody to work together to show the king's men that they're not like they're not out for blood that they're just trying to protect themselves and they kind of want to go peacefully um and she's able to kind of make herself known to Javon who's like oh she, you know everyone else knows she's frost cuz nobody's seen her face but Jovan is well aware no. that it's Olino when they come face to face. Um, and so I think kind of like the main theme of this book is just like Olina being able to like get everybody to work together and overcome their differences. Um, and I actually think like after they sleep together, she runs away again because she comes back to the castle as Frost. Uh, and I think that's actually when they sleep together. And then she has Alzona's girlfriend, who I can't remember her name. But she ha she tells her that like if you ever need to escape, like I have somewhere you can hide, and so she ends up running to her, and she gets taken uh, to another secret how? society. Like, and how it's how to get to the other place. Yeah, it's the Ire, <laughs> and it's like people that are living on all these floating shelves. Um, and it turns out that all of the people in this community are actually like half Ruma, half Saladi, and so she's not the only one. They're all of the people that like can't live as one or the other so they've had to kind of come together and make their own place where they belong because they're not accepted um and so it's really i love that part because they're all on these floating mountains and so they've got these sores that they made so basically they're like a flying contraption that you strap yeah. to yourself and that's how you like get around to the different um floating islands of the ire um, but they're like a society that's living in secret. And so, you know, it all comes down to the queen, the Salati queen, the Salati Tatum is this evil lady who is trying to make war on everyone. And so they end up having to come together to fight against her and the only way that they're gonna win is if they kind of work together to overcome their differences and not you know since there's so much corruption in um osalis there are a lot of people that are on olina's side that like want her to overthrow and you know her trainer is one of them and her trainer knew that she was half bruma and he actually had a son as well that was half Bruma and that ends up being the person that killed Kedrick because he was trying to kill her because he was jealous of her because the trainer always paid more attention and loved her more than him. Was that all in the first book? No. I was say, I think, we've... <laughs> <laughs> I think we've gone on here. <laughs> yeah, we have. But it's just, yeah. you know, it's I, I really loved it. And I would yeah. say, like, as somebody that's really skeptical of YA books, um, mm -hmm. I say go for it because I still think it's really satisfying and the romance is still satisfying enough. Like, obviously, I wish that there would have been more development between those two characters. Um, but I do think that you got enough of a nod to that, that it was still satisfying. Um and it's just, it's a, just a really richly developed world. Yeah. I loved the world. And then, yeah, especially like you said, when they get to the, what did you call it? What is it? The air, the air, the, um, -E. the whole like flying element. It was so fascinating and so cool. And just to like how someone came up with that. I'm in awe. Yeah. So I would definitely say it's not that scary and it's not that sexy. <laughs> 
It's a little dark. Like, it's a little depressing, like, to have such a mean mom that's, like, having you beat all the time and hates you and makes you hide your face for your whole life. Yeah. And I did find that that was a little bit lacking, like, the climax of that or the resolution of that storyline with her mother. Um, You know, I won't give it away what happens at the end uh, for a change. (laughs) Since technically I was only supposed to be talking about the first book anyway. Um, but I thought, I thought that the resolution, like it it could have had a deeper explanation to it. Uh, I didn't find it to be all that satisfying. And after all of the like build up to overthrow her mom, like the actual overthrowing of her was a little bit like, meh. I do remember that. I don't remember the details, but I remember thinking like, that's it. It, Yeah. It's done. That's it. Like all of this building up to get there. And like, actually it seems like you were pretty easy to overthrow. (laughs) It turns out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would totally recommend this series for sure. Uh, I read all four of them pretty quickly. Um, they are on Kindle Unlimited for those of you Kindle readers. Uh, so, you know, that's always a plus when a full series is available that way. Um, so yeah, that was, that's A Fantasy Woo-hoo. of Frost by Kelly St. Clair. I'm Veiled so glad you liked Moms. it. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was a little, I think I was even telling you like, don't like if the first book kind of you're like not sure keep going no like, I was sucked it in right away and, okay, and I honestly I had a hell of a time too because I finished um actually I think I finished the book that you read and I, I loved it so much and you know how it is when you're trying to like go to a next book after you finish one that's like this book is my life yeah absolutely <laughs> uh so I think I started and kind of crapped out of like three different books before that's right I was like I well that. I'll just read I, th- I did struggle through uh one and I finished and I was like uh this one was mediocre but fine I won't say what it is because I don't want to trash anybody but it, it, it was the first book of a series and I don't know that I'll Continue. Continuing on with that series. But yeah, so I was like, well, I'll just read A Fantasy of Frost then. And I was like, oh, perfect. This is exactly what I wanted. <laughs> so yeah, thank nice. you. I loved it. Good, good Yay. run. Yeah. Well, and then, so you had me read A Shadow in the Ember, mm-hmm. um, which is Jennifer Armentrout. So we both have read her, what is the other series called? Yeah, so it's, it we is both just read called that. Blood and Ash. Blood so it's, yeah, it's, it's like a sister series to the Blood yes. and Ash book. Which I'm so happy you made me read it because I will admit, I tend to shy away from like spinoffs or sister series or, you know, it's just usually not my jam. I want my main characters. I'm loyal to them. I want to hear about them. This book was so good. Well, it's, <laughs> it's, like, so it's like a prequel, technically. It it's a is. Yes. And it's so interesting. And like, oh my gosh, she did such a good job because she actually made her series that's already really popular that I'm already committed to even like more rich and like more involved and like built continue to build that world with this other like spinoff in a way that I didn't anticipate like I I really really loved it Mm -hmm. um and I kind of had forgotten those books imagine that I forget everything (laughs) um so it kind of brought me back but then and then I ended up once I was done I had to keep going so I started that series over again um I will say that I think that it's not necessarily spoilers, but I'm reading that, you know, the third one now. Uh, I think third. it's Builded Bones. Yes. I'm reading yeah. that one now. And I feel like I have a little too much insight onto things because I read this book. Yeah. So I think the like recommended reading order. I did uh, it wrong. For those of you that haven't ever want to like do a reread is to read books one through three 
of the Blood and Ash series and then read A Shadow in the Ember, which is the first book of the Flesh and Fire series, and then read the most recent installment of the Blood and Ash series, which is A War of Two Queens that just came out in March. Which we can't talk about at all because I have not touched. Yeah. (laughs) I haven't (laughs) even got through the Gilded Bones yet. So, um, but yeah, I do. it's funny because I... I, uh, I want to go back and reread now because I have read books one through three of Blood and Ash and then sometime later came in and read A Shadow in the Ember and then read A War of Two Queens. And so now I'm like, oh, there's probably a lot that I don't remember from yeah. that was like set up for Shadow in the Ember. Because I definitely know, I mean, they're obviously Poppy, the main character of Blood and Ash, like had mentioned that there there was another maiden which is the yeah. veiled ladies. Of right. The, and so the I was like, I'm not even sure. Like, and Poppy does make it really clear that like the stories of the maiden are very inaccurate. Nobody knows if it's real, like da da da. But like, this is the maiden. And I'm like, I don't know if this is the maiden that Poppy's talking about. It could be a totally different thing, but uh, it's still really good. Um, but yes, once again, we have a veil and Poppy also yeah. had a veil. Yeah. I feel like, so the the main character Serafina, Serafina, yeah, yeah. So the veil like doesn't really even seem to play as much of an importance in her story. I mean, certainly to yeah. start, but you get rid of it pretty quickly. Well, because so with her, like we're just gonna assume that everyone knows Poppy and Hawk. Um, <laughs> with her, she's a chosen, and she has a veil. And this idea is that she has to be presented to. Was it the primal? Primal. Mm -hmm. And the primal basically look over the gods and goddesses, which was interesting because I feel like in the books with Poppy and Hawk, that's kind of, there's no primal, there's gods and goddesses. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a little different, uh, but she has to be presented and offered up as like a consort because of a deal that her father made with the primal of life, right? Or primal of death. No, primal of death. Primal of death back, way back in the day. Yeah, and the idea is I think is it that wasn't even her father. I think it was, like, her grandfather. It was her grandfather. Yeah, and, it's like, there was a – basically, there's this um, plague or, like, a rot that's ruining all the crops and people are starving and it's taking over everywhere and it's just you can't grow things. Um, and so pe- – I already said people are starving, but <laughs> – So this idea is that once she is presented to this primal and he accepts her as his consort, the deal will be met and the land will flourish again and everyone will be saved. So you've got the mom that's very much has this daughter. And like the idea is that my daughter will be sold off basically to be like the sex toy of this primal and then the land will be saved. And so I feel like that totally sets her up. Like she's going to be a bad mom because she can't have an emotional connection to her daughter when she knows she's just going to have to like cart her off. Offering. Yeah. Yeah. And but the well, and thing- also wasn't she like the idea was being kept secret from the primal of death, but really she was being trained to like, assassinate him yes like yeah and kill him because that's more proof yeah that she's a really bad mom like basically i didn't i can't remember does she have a trainer or does she just learn like i can remember no she has a trainer yeah because the what's her trainer's name i don't remember i can't remember his name but yeah like all these stories there's a trainer involved (laughs) that teaches her how to kick ass right yeah, the Yoda um, character, if you The will. Yoda character, exactly. <laughs> so, like, she's an amazing fighter, but her mom has actually gone and gone a step further and being terrible and has used that to her own advantage so that when, like, delegates or, you know, lords come and visit and they piss her off, she sicks her daughter on them. She's, like, basically has set up her daughter to be an assassin. Um, 
And I don't know if that's because her daughter was unable to fill her purpose as being the consort, because basically they do this big, you know, she hits the right age. They go to the temple. They're going to offer her up to the primal of death. Death. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I will explain later why I'm so confused, but um, the primal of death. And he shows up. And I loved this scene because it's all like, you're like, oh, God, what's happening? Right. It's like there's like lightning and it's very epic. And then he's just like, oh, I'm not in need of a consort. Thanks anyways. And just books it. <laughs> but he like whispers that to her. Yeah. That's something she like so, keeps yeah. his secret. Nobody else knows this, but she knows it. And she's like, fuck, like he's I'm tarnished. He's yeah. not picking me. I can't save the land. And like, I can't kill him. Like everybody wants me to go kill him. Um, and so she's just kind of like passing the time. I think it's like three years and they keep trying to like do the same. Yeah, like he doesn't come back. He like everyone back. thinks yeah. like he's going to come back, but she knows that he's not because he already yeah. told her like, I, this isn't for me. Like go yeah. about your life. Right. And so she's just like, well, I know that for some reason I'm not worthy and he doesn't need a consort, um, but I'm not going to tell everyone that like. Because then I'm screwed, basically. Yeah, like, who knows what's going to happen to me? Like, all of a sudden, I've got no, like, purpose Yeah, Yeah, and, like, that is very much, like, I kind of spoke to this earlier, where it's, like, you matter because of your purpose, not because of your humanity and who you are. And, like, that very much stands in her family. And her father is no longer. So I think that there is this idea that maybe there would have been a kindness from her father. But now it's just her mother. And then she has, they're step-siblings, correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and then her mother's remarried or? Yeah. Okay. I don't remember him at all, but. I don't think you really even meet him him. that much. Like you get the idea that her mother really loved her father and that her mother really grieves for her father. And then I think like, you know, Serafina reminds her mother of her father. And so that's kind of contributing to the. I don't know if that, like, I think that that's something Serafina kind of tries to think up to like make sense of how cold her mother is to her. I don't know if it, I don't know if it's true. Um, Well, yeah, I mean, we should say that like, this is going to be an ongoing series and we only have one book out. I can't spoil this because I don't know where it's going, which is kind of exciting. I have theories. I'm not convinced that that's actually her mother. I don't know. We'll see. Well, yeah, that would be. Yeah. But, and, but she does have this like, terrible stepbrother that's going to be king and he's just a pompous like ass clearly hates Serafina clearly threatened by her and he just does whatever he can to kind of make her life miserable um but she's also a really good fighter so she knows that she can kind of kick his ass and she puts him in his place a lot and so they just have this like contention between them that's not healthy or good um and then she does have a stepsister as well and that relationship's actually like one of the only nurturing kind relationships like in this world in the beginning uh, but yeah, so she's basically in over these three years, I kind of like this. I liked this development compared to like Poppy and Hawk. Poppy does kind of go out and try to explore, but like, she's just like, yeah, I have this other life where I go do what I want. I'm a freaking killer. Why wouldn't I, you know? And so she goes into like the town or the city and explores and like, she's a little bit of a voyeur, which is kind of fun. Like she was just like, there's a scene where she's just like watching these people fuck on a boat and she's kind of like, oh. All right. Yep. That's how they do that. Cool. Yeah. I like her because she, you know, she really kind of relishes this freedom that she gets because in the court or like the royal side of her life, she's veiled. And so nobody knows what she looks like. Um, But she now has this like freedom to be able to take the veil off and nobody knows who Mm -hmm. she is. So she can really just like blend in and yeah, like you said, do do what she wants, explore and 
Right. Yeah. And you get to kind of actually see that, like you get to see the veiled version of her and the unveiled version of her right away, which is a little different. Um, and I appreciated that. But basically, she just kind of go out. She makes it really clear that she's not a virgin. Why would she be? She's not going to be offered up anymore, so she might as well go explore life. Um, it sounds like she's not that impressed with it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she'll go and, like, she's, she's very, like, I mean, I think she goes to, like, brothels, basically, to just have it taken yeah. care of. And then, you know, all right. Yeah, once to see what the big deal is. Yeah, yeah. And then it's just like, next. Or okay. I think there's even, like, a, it's not even necessarily that she's interested in, in sex, more that she's interested in breaking the rules like Mm -hmm. i'm gonna do this because this is something i'm not supposed to do yeah she she has that like rebellious kind of nature to her yeah oh yeah and that's brought up a lot and that's the thing with poppy too like kind of like you're always gonna do the opposite of what i say aren't you and she's like yeah Mm -hmm." like one of those things like hey don't open that door and then you're just immediately opening the door because you're like what do you mean don't open and now i gotta look right and she that's definitely a huge part of her personality um but basically one day she's like or night she's wandering around in the city kind of seeing what's going on and she sees a god and a goddess i believe um and they are the gods and gods and goddesses are very much just like kind of roaming the streets like they're a part of the community like i don't think they necessarily live there with them but like people no, see they gods have and like goddesses. temples for yeah. them that they live in like kind of like the greek gods and goddesses yeah they they're known with they're humans. seen yeah. yeah so um so she basically sees them and I don't remember what they, like, what do they do? They use their ether to, like, kill, basically, mm-hmm. this man. And then what we later find out was his sister and then a really small baby, which is really, that was sad. That was dark. Yeah. Um, but she, like, immediately is like, I got to go save that baby. And then in enters this figure who, like, she assumes is a god because he's kind of got that aura about him. Um, and he basically holds her and it's like, you can't, like, we're going to, I'm going to keep you right here. And that's how they first meet. Um, and then there's there's multiple like run-ins between them, right? Yeah. So he basically she's like on the case. She's like, man, yeah, I've got to figure it. this out. Yeah. And he says, leave it alone. Like you're gonna die. Like I can't yeah. control what these. Because she, I think she calls him out as being a god, and he's like, yeah, but that doesn't mean that I have any control of what the other gods are doing. You know? Yeah. Like, it's li- somewhat limited. Um, but you know, you need to stay out of this. Like I'm on it. And I'm watching it, and I don't want to and see she's you like again. Frustrated, she's like, she's "You're like, on okay. it, then why are you letting it happen?" <laughs> yeah. And so they yeah. keep kind of running into each other at these in crime very scenes. sexy ways. And he's like, "God, you're fucking here again. Like, how did yeah. I know that you weren't going to listen to me?" And you're like, <laughs> "Yeah, no." And I loved their banter. Their banter is very similar to um, Hawk and Poppy, but I'm all for it because I love it. It's so well done, and it's very much like he's like, "God, I fucking really like you, but damn, you annoy me." And like, you know, yeah, well, like, I think it's like a little bit. I mean, the actual banter itself is very similar just in like the pacing and the Mm -hmm. way that the back and forth is written but like with poppy and hawk like poppy's like into hawk right away yeah like obviously she then learns things about him she doesn't know who he is yeah like but she's like he's this hot guy and she's definitely like attracted to him and with seraphina like you know as the reader that immediately like, this is going to be the guy and, like, they're into oh, yeah. each other. But she hasn't, like, admitted that to herself at this stage. So yeah. it's, like, the banter is, like, she's she is into him, but – and he's, like, knows that 
but they're she's yeah. not like giving in to the idea quite yet. I mean, she does over the course of the book, obviously, but she's definitely like right from the get go. She's like, oh, he smells good. Oh, I like it when he holds me like this feels different. Like this isn't like, you know, going down to the brothel and hooking up with Jimbo like this has something behind it. Like I'm, I'm intrigued. And he's yeah. also but very she's, much like, distrust- intrigued. Distrustful yes. of it. Which, of course, I mean, you got a bad mom. You're going to be distrustful. Sure. <laughs> it sure. breaks you a little. Um, and also, he's, like, not giving her much information. He's just like, I've got it. Like, I know you have, like, a stupor, like, curious, like, nature. But you need to shut that down um, and not look into this. And just let me take care of it. Which I think bristles her up even more. She's like, heck no. Like, I'm going to figure this out. So she continues to kind of, like, like, the past book, she becomes a detective. Like, she's got to figure these things out. And so she continues to, like travel that hunch and kind of figure out what's going on kind of looking for these gods and goddesses trying to figure out like the connection because there's other people that have died or vanished in a similar way and so she's assuming they're connected and she keeps showing up anytime this happens and he's always there as well obviously because he's also on the case um i don't really remember what goes after that (laughs) well i think one thing that is like a similarity again with the poppy and hawk series is that she also has this like power this like healing the healing yes yes she does so and how is that does she she saves animals first yeah she saves animals and then her stepsister has a lover who gets i think they kind of like help each other with like um Helping the the community, kill like, it, yeah, like food and ki- stuff to people. That and also like killing. I think her sister has like signed her up for like oh. eliminating threats. So to, like, sadly, women. her sister's using her as an assassin as well, but with like better intentions. A better I mean, I think that there's yeah. more of like a, a, an agreement between the two of like mm-hmm. she's not just doing it because she's ordered to do it. She's doing it because she wants to. She'll kill yeah. like people that are. Um, you know, like profiting off of women or Yeah, basically like a pimp. Like yeah. That's who she kills and like he's like I think he's even like selling his own children off. Like it was pretty mm-hmm. and like young children. And so and that part like I did have a problem I I can't say I had a problem with it, but like she is very violent. And they're like there's jokes made about like how violent she is. Like that's one of the things that I forgot his name is he says his name is Asher, right? Mm-hmm. Just um, Ash, I think. Yeah, and she's kind of like, well, what are you? And he's like, well, I'm many things, but yeah, you can call me Ash, whatever. Um, And so that's kind of how she knows him. But like, he's always saying like, you are so gloriously violent. Like, he's very entertained by it. But it's really violent sometimes. It's kind yeah. of like, Well, and I think Whoa. it also kind of like picks at her a little bit because it's something that she like hasn't reconciled within herself. Like if this yeah. part of her make and you know, again, it's like a similarity with Poppy as Poppy starts coming into this power. It's like, is this greater than me? Like, um, do I have control over this or does it have control over me? And mm-hmm. what does that mean about like the kind of person that I am? Am I a good person or am I a bad person? Yeah. Um but and yeah, she's so, good at killing. Like I think yeah, that's a thing killing. you see a lot, like in many, many books and movies. Like these people that are just innately good at killing, and does that mean that they're bad? Like if they have this skill, basically, which as she, I, I, you get a lot that makes you think she's not bad. Like because she does try to help the community a lot. She's very concerned about like the rot that's taking over and that people are dying from starvation, and she's doing everything she can to mm-hmm. help. But she's also in the back of her mind. She's like, well, I could have helped if, 
you know, that Primal just had accepted Yeah, she me feels as a like a failure. Yeah, so she has she tons of guilt picked. as yeah. well. Like, so she's got some, she's got some demons she's dealing with. Like, she's got yeah. guilt, and then she has this idea that maybe she's a bad person. But then she also has this healing side. Like, she's able to bring things back. Well, she doesn't know that at first. She knows that she can heal things when they're on the edge of death. Yeah, and she ends up bringing her sister's lover who back was to life. They, so it's pretty was much dead. dead. Yeah. yeah, and I think that and was like a huge turning point. Like, yeah, we knew things were shifting at that point because she did actually bring back someone from death. Well, and, and I like, think she there was like this sense of danger about that too because she felt like, you know, this can't, people can't know. Like, no. what does this make me? You know, like, is this a good thing or is this a bad thing? Like, I can't tell anybody that that I was able to do this. Like, that's a, that's got to be a secret. Yeah. And I can't her her mother told her from the get go, like, to keep that a secret. Right. Like she knew. Yeah. She knew about the animals and stuff like that. But yeah, she was like told from a very Don't young age anybody. that this was not like this was a bad thing. Like this is something that she shouldn't be doing. And so the the select times that she did bring an animal back to life, it was very like you know there was a lot of back and forth within herself about whether or not she should do it and I think the sister like asked her to do it and she was not wanting to I don't know the sister was like begging her and like I said before like the sister was kind of the only person in her family that like showed her kindness and that she cared for so I think you know of course she wanted to do that for her sister if she could so she did mm-hmm. and yeah. she got back <laughs> And then I can't remember. So how do we basically she ends up back at her like, you know, they're wherever they live. They have a grand estate because they're they're the queen, right? Like her mom's the queen. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I think so. And so and then that's right. So there is a stepfather. And I remember they're in his like office and they're having a conversation about something like pop or not poppy, (laughs) Serafina and him. And then the brother busts in. But the stepfather gives her some type of like he says something to her that makes her feel like like she's kind of like was he like looking out for me like what was that like, yeah well I think like that. ultimately what happens is they give the brother the power like he becomes yeah. the king because the and... stepfather dies oh that's right yep you're right but I think someone poisons him right or it's alluded yeah. that they were it was not natural. Mm-hmm. the death that occurred but some basically stepbrother what's his name it starts with the t it's like Tyrion or something sure he's <laughs> sure sounds good he's got all this power now and so he's like fuck it i'm going to her room and i'm gonna give her shit because she had like hit him in front of his father and like made him emasculated him whatever yada yada and so he shows up and that part was weird because he was pretty able to like dominate her and he never had been able to in the past yeah, so I think he just, like, that. snuck up on her or something. So yeah, and she couldn't got her get, at a disadvantage. Yeah, she couldn't get to her weapon and take him out. And so then he's got her, and he's, like, how did he – she gets into that room because, like, the one I maid, like, was, leads her there. Yeah, I think he was also, like, threatening somebody close to her or something like that. Like, I think, I think yeah. the, like – he did overpower her initially, but the way that he was able to, he to get her, her to – yeah. But I can't remember the particulars of it. I just remember there was some sort of urgency all of a sudden for the primal to take her. Yes, because so the and the well, you just gave it away. 
We didn't give it away. We didn't say who the primal was. Okay, so um, so basically she ends up in this like grand room and her brother's like, I'm going to make you pay for what you've done, right? And he like ties her up, like I think arms, like, oh, you know, hands over her head and just starts like lashing her, like whipping her, which is so fucked up, right? And she's just like, she says at one point, like, I'm going to cut off your hands and stuff them down your throat or something. Like, she's very much, like, she's not a pushover. Like, like I said, she's really violent, and she knows her skill. And she's like, I'm going to get him. I don't know how, but it's going to happen. Right? And then all of a sudden, is it? Wisps it, in. Wisps in. Like, there's the crackling and, like, you know, yeah, like, oh, like shit. The, the, the primal is here. Right? Is that how it happened? Yeah. yeah he, like, wisps in in a cloud of yeah primal rage primal rage yeah i was i got this like feeling like you know there's like a cracking in the dimension and then yeah the primal Mm -hmm. um and then there's also i forgot to mention there's like gods that are like kind of that serve the primal and they have been kind of showing up right like one of them showed up and gave her her a a gift yeah a knife Mm -hmm. and so like they they've been poking around too yeah there's definitely like a hierarchy of the gods and goddesses and she knows that these pri- these gods do serve the primal of death, who's the one that she's supposed to be the consort Promised for. To. Yeah. And so then basically they show up and then Tyrion or whatever, I'm just going to call him Tyrion. I don't know if that's actually <laughs> his name. for me. Yeah. He gets kind of like ripped away and then, you know, there's no one behind her back whipping her anymore. Pretty much everyone dies, right? Like that mm-hmm. weren't, that didn't arrive. Um, and then at that point she realizes that the primal is Asher, correct? Yeah. Yeah, which is pretty odd. I mean, you know it's coming. Yeah. So like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and basically he's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, he is not okay with her being abused. And he does, it's very similar to like the Hawk and Poppy story where he mm-hmm. kind of slowly discovers how terrible things have been for her and he wants to know why and kind of get deeper in there to understand it. Um, and so he's kind of started to question things about like little comments that she makes. And he's like, why would you feel that way? Like kind of comments about like her mom. And he's like, why, why would, why would you be like fearful of your mom? Or why would you feel that way about your mom? You know, start sticking around. So basically it's, it's, you know, that he's not okay with people mistreating her mm-hmm. at this point. And so he shows up and like shit hits the fan, but then he's such a gentleman. He lets her take her revenge because he knows that she's wonderfully violent and that was really violent mm-hmm. he like i mean it's hot too in a weird way oh my god i'm gonna be so judged for that but like he pulls out his like sickle things right <laughs> and like hands them to her and she just whoosh, off the off the hands go she doesn't mm-hmm. stuff them she in his does mouth. what she's i think she does does she i don't know but like all the gods are watching they're like holy shit didn't see that coming which i really i think one of them actually says that and it's pretty comical <laughs> but not really dark. Um, and then the mom does come in and like, she's just like begging for like the life of her son. And like, that's another turning point too, where like Asher is like, why, what are the primal is like, why would you be begging for his life? Like he's terrible. Right. And like, that's where he kind of starts to see like the yeah, mom, like, what the about daughter. Your daughter. Yes. Yeah. And he starts to see that like, there's, there's no love there from the mom for Serafina. And it like strikes him as odd. Um, but yeah, so it's like, we're not saving him. Like he's dead. I think they chop off his head or something eventually. Like she mm-hmm. does, but like, he's dead, very dead. Um, and then he's like, well, guess what? I do need a consort. Let's go. And he whisps her away to the shadow lands, which was also awesome. <laughs> and I do remember, yeah. I, I didn't mention the, 
I do actually remember a somewhat, it's not full sex, but it was kind of a sex scene. There is a lake. The lake yeah, that she loves like and she goes, part. it was so good. She loves this lake and she just goes there to get away because nobody will go there because like the woods are like haunted or whatever. There's spirits and people are freaked out by it. But so she can go there for peace and she likes to go in this lake and just kind of float. And then like one night she's floating in her lake and then Asher is like doop, 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 walking out of like behind like a weeping willow or something that hits no, the water No, I think he's, surface. like, in the water. He's in the water, right? but he's, like, like he's hidden. Like, she water. can't see him. Mm-hmm. She doesn't realize he's there at first. Um, and she's like, what are you doing in my lake? He's like, what are you doing in my lake? Like, <laughs> and then they have a little bit of flirtation. And there's a lot of, like, consent is important, which I think is hot for him. Like, he's just like, hey, is it, can I do, you know, like, he's very much asked, like, is it okay if we do this? Like, you know. Yeah, like, if I touch you, if I do If this, I touch yeah. you and. Yeah, so they explore each other a little bit at that moment. And it's definitely like he's giving her pleasure. There's it's not going the other way. Um, but that was a hot scene. I yeah. liked that one. Well, and something that you didn't mention that's pretty different is that you did mention how she is not a virgin and but yeah. he actually is, or so he says he is. Yeah, which I didn't know about that. Like I have a hard I mean, time. it's not very believable that this like hundreds of year old creature yeah has never gotten down with anyone but that and like also he's just like he knows how to give her pleasure i mean i guess you're a primal and <laughs> you know it's a just intuitive body. And you're a god i guess i don't know yeah but i yeah i didn't i didn't, I didn't necessarily need that but i yeah i didn't care one way or another it was just something that i noted like okay so you're making the guy a virgin but not the girl so like that's all right that's different yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like it that it's different. I mean, yeah, I, I just like you, neither one of them needed to be virgins, and that also would have been fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it makes like their connection more. Sp- I don't know. I mean, I guess it kind of works. Like he's the freaking primal of death. Like, is sex even a thing? Like, but it seems yeah. Like it well, is, I mean, right you get away. like you get this very like these two are drawn to one another in a way that is different than any yes. attraction that they may have experienced before. And so there's, I think, like, you know, there's a lot of confusion on both sides as to why that is. Um, And I think that is actually explained sort of at the end of the book. Um, But, yeah, they, like, are kind of, like, meant for each other. They are. Because of this pact that the we learn is not the same primal. Because the primal of death's father had passed away who's the one that had made the pact the pact and now ash has assumed or nictos as we learn his name is um has assumed that role and he's like that may have been what my father wanted i don't know why because he loved my mother and there would have been no reason for this but you kind of learn that like there was something greater at play and that he knew that his son was gonna end up being the primal in question and so this yeah. arrangement was made to like connect these two people together when they needed to be and connected that was why i was like primal death primal of life i don't remember because his dad was actually the primal of life mm-hmm. but then his brother like somehow stole that from him and then his dad basically like implanted this little sliver of the life source of the ether in, of the ether right? into yeah. her and that's and so what he, gives her the power to heal. Yeah, to heal. And so, like, that's why it was important that those two come together to, like, mm-hmm. pass on that, like, 
the like because the Nick doesn't and then have also that. The life. He's not. He's yeah, primal of because death. he's the yeah. primal of death, but he's not the real primal of death. And yeah, the real I, primal of death is masquerading as the primal of life, and that's what's the causing the rot. Yeah, because like we need to have the right person. Right. Or the right primal in that role. Or they Which can't, I had like, a hard time with that. I was like, how do you just like be an imposter and steal the role like that? I don't, it doesn't seem like that's how it would work, but I mean, it's not my world. Somebody else created it. So if they say that's Yeah, how it well, works. and then there's this like other, oh, I don't even remember this enough to begin a conversation about it, but like some, the, the primal, the post primal of death who is now masquerading as the primal of life had some sort of weird relationship with a mortal woman that he yeah. fell in love with her. And that is something that comes up because, so yeah, he falls in love with this woman and thinks she's beautiful and she looks like some kind of like vicious flower or something. Or that was her favorite flower. I don't know. Basically, doesn't he tries to like make her eternal immortal, or everlasting yeah. mortal? And then, which is a really common theme. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then she ends up like killing herself. She's like, no, I don't want this. Like, I don't want you. Blah. Right. But he is just adamant in his like obsessive Obsession. love yeah. for him, for her, for himself, probably ultimately, but <laughs> <laughs> for her. And so that's why he gets obsessed with being the primal of life because he can bring her back. Right. To love her. Or she's like reincarnated. And so he's like, and then that's. Find her. Yeah. And, so and now I don't I'm like wondering. That. There must be some sort of connection with the Blood and Ash series regarding that. Right. Well, and then then they kind of implied like it's like almost like a curse that she keeps coming back. Like it's not a kind thing to do to her because like she's never she never gets to rest. Like you feel sorry for her that she's in this cycle. Yeah. Because some dude loved her. Yeah. She killed herself to escape him and she's like stuck in this. Yeah, and he like it like he didn't even really know her. Like it was very much a like I see you, I love you, I want you, you're mine forever. Like no questions, no, no freedom. Which I mean, that's a, freedom is a big, uh, you know, part of these books. Yeah, but yeah, it's kind of weird. And like they're kind of by the end implying. Well, I should probably say that like <laughs> the the um the primal definitely like starts to let her in and kind of share things with her so she has a little better understanding of what's going on she realizes like it's not really her fault that the land was rotting that wasn't ever part of the deal yeah like um, nothing she, was gonna change yeah by him accepting her as a, as a exactly like, he exactly. can't fix it that was just either. another manipulation yet again by a bad mom well i mean and i don't think mm-hmm. the mom knows that though like i think that we that's don't know like, honestly yeah that's true that's true um but yeah and and there's like you kind of get this like crew of gods and goddesses and they're all it's like very typical like oh like we see her worth she's cool like we like her we respect her and like they all form a, a bond and like there's the the dragons but they're not called dragons yeah they're cool i like them reap, a lot reap reap no. Draken or Draken, yes. Yeah. And so they're kind of these of protectors of the primal of death and they watch over him and they're very much like they'll do anything basically to keep him safe. But they kind of take her on because they see like the bond and the care that he has for her and they recognize that and like they're like, okay, she's coming under the wing too, you know? Um, so that's a really nice like to watch that relationship build. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, I didn't mention the whole, this is also something that I didn't quite understand. So the idea originally was that the primal of death would take her in. She would seduce him. She had been, she'd gone to like the Jade house and learned how to seduce men. Um, She was supposed to seduce him and then kill him because she has this like type of blade that can kill primal. 
Wants mm-hmm. to, and she stabs him at some point too, right? Knife. I think they call it the yeah. No, wait, that's the witch that's collector. a witch collector, but <laughs> it's similar kind of like. And well, and I keep trying to call it like the blood bone and that the wolf bone that was Poppy and Hawk, but like it's something like that. It's a certain yeah. certain material, and this is the same universe, so it could totally be the same thing. And I'm blanking. Yeah. Um, but so she's got that, and so she's supposed to kill him because you can kill a primal if they're in love with you. Like, or something like that. Like, that's their greatest weakness. Like, that's how they become vulnerable is love. I'm like, what? Well, that's what he thinks. No, that's what she, they told her. Like, that's what he, she believes. Oh, because I she believes that, was, like, that she has. That he didn't want to, like, fall in love with her because that love was a weakness. That no, no. She for. believes that, like, she has to get him to love her and then she'll be able to kill him. Mm-hmm. Like, that makes him somewhat weak. I mean, that's, you know, love makes us weak, blah, blah, blah. But, like, this is, like, literal. Like, if he loves you, I can then kill you. Like, mm. it's weird. I don't – I didn't quite understand it. I don't know if it was explained enough. Um, but he figures that out because he's, like, basically, like, do you know the one thing that makes a primal vulnerable? And she's, like, I do. And he's, like, oh. well, Yeah, like, basically, yeah. like, she basically t- confesses that yeah. she's been brought up and raised to become his weakness. Yeah, and, and so he all now of knows a sudden it. he like doesn't trust, and you know you get like there's a conflict in her, like kind of from the get go, and she realizes that Ash is Nyctos. Yeah, and you know he he knew it was like at first she's trying to be like oh like he's he's not he's making this discovery that I'm the maiden this person that he's known as Seraphina, but he's like no I knew it was you the whole time. He always knew. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like I knew. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so she's got this, like, conflict, but to him, when he, when she reveals to him that she's kind of been designed to be his end, all of a sudden is, like, I don't trust you anymore. Yeah. Like, I'm still, like, I care about you enough that I'm going to keep you safe because I said that I was going to do that because you are my consort, but it's, like, in name only and I no yeah. longer, like, want anything to do with you. Which, like, oh, I am a sucker for that kind of plot line. Because I was like, oh, like, I just want, I want him to admit that, like, the love is there. And, like, it's going to override that wall that's been put up, you know? Like, I don't know. It's great. I'm so yeah. For it. Well, I mean, yeah, it's <laughs> one of those things that it's like, well, this is what's, like, sustaining the steam you know, yeah. like the oh, enemies to lovers. Yeah. But at the same time, you're like, God, shut up. Like, obviously, you guys are in love right. with each other. Like, get over yourself. And, like, that is very much a part of, like, their relationship from, like, day one. Like, they're both like, well, there's something there for sure. But I've got this other agenda. I've got these other things I need to do. Well, and, like, and now I think there. there's also this, like, they can't even trust the connection because now they know that Ash's dad had planted yeah. it in her. So obviously, like, this is the only thing that's drawing us to each other. Right. And if not for that, like, we would have no connection very whatsoever. much like goes back to like poppy and hawk too and their whole like the theme through them all the time is like is this real or is it real now are we real are we doing real are we faking real yeah no real um and like there are actually so many similarities to where i'm almost concerned that do, i well i was gonna talk about this anyways the whole like past life thing i struggle with that um mm. because it's like you get to know this heroine so well and you love them for who they are. And then you're kind of told that they're really this other person and that this was just put inside of them. And that's kind of where we get with her by the end is like, they're kind of like, Oh shit, you might be the, the woman that is reborn mm-hmm. over and over again. I mean, there's a character Holland in the street who tells her she is. 
Um, and she's like, you can tell, like, she's kind of like me, like she's fighting it. She's like, I don't, I don't like that. Like I'm me, you know, I don't know about being this other person, but I'm scared that like Poppy and Hawk are somehow also like a reincarnation of mm. them. But mm. let's hope not. Like, <laughs> I won't I like say my anything. Characters. So if you, but yeah, you're ahead of me. Um, yeah, but, I'm caught up in this world. Yeah, so, I am. I mean, I don't up. know what's gonna happen. Obviously, because there's more yeah. books in each series coming. Um, but I, they, there's definitely some. There's I'm wondering where, how they're gonna. Yeah, meet, there's meet already up. been connections made between Nyctos and um, Poppy. Mm-hmm. We have an assumption right now that they're there's a relation to there mm-hmm. but and then I think see that's why I think I really should not have read this book before I'm reading the one I am now because I think that there's hints like I think Serafina might be this woman that she's seeing but I shouldn't even know about her yet you know oh, so I'm like I don't even know what you're talking about so. okay good yeah there's a there's <laughs> a blonde woman but that could actually just oh, be oh, oh, oh. that Poppy sees mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I don't know but yeah anyways back to this book I loved it. It was so good. Like there, and then, um, I think we've talked about this before. Jennifer Armitrade is so good at action. Like, I don't really read that many authors where like, I follow all the action. She's good They're very like their battle scenes or, and even just like their female heroines are very, I I just love the way that they're written. Yeah. Being so capable and Mm -hmm. she really sells you on it. Yeah. And I was definitely sold. And then this one, I mean, like, I mean, I guess Poppy's the same. Poppy doesn't keep the veil on for very long and neither does Seraphina. Yeah, I feel like the veil is like, it's more meaningful for Poppy. Yeah. Because with Seraphina, yeah, it seems like, you know, she was wearing it for this very specific reason because she was being presented. But then once that... There's no ever like idea she had to have it on all the time. Like right. it was different. Yeah. But with Poppy, it's like only a select people can see you without the veil. And then she also has the scar on her face. And right, so you get the idea role. that like the veil is like hiding that because her face is maimed and that's used to make her feel less than. Um also it shows that she survived a craven attack, right? And that's not mm-hmm. something that someone should be able to do. Right in that right. story but yeah i guess like so in in poppy and hawk the veil really is hiding truth from the main character and from people like in the story and it's the same way kind of with fantasy of frost mm-hmm. this, but it's hiding the truth from the heroine from the heroine too, yeah and also. we're like i feel like this one like the veil the veil doesn't really play the role that it does in the other books yeah like, i just brought in a third book they're all the same you know, I mean, they're not all the same, but <laughs> I feel like Nyctos and Seraphita are related to Bobby and Hawk, so it's mm-hmm. safe to discuss yeah. them. They're the same universe. Yeah, same um, Yeah. So, yeah, the veil is definitely not as pivotal. Like, mm-hmm. I almost wonder if it's just not part of the story because it's kind of where that, like, origin of this idea of a veil popped up from is because she wore a veil to the yeah. temple. Um, but, yeah, loved it. It was so good. I didn't mention, like, any time that she heals – and it tracks these like weird warrior like, zombie esque. Oh, is that creatures. what attracts them? Yeah, she figures wolf. out later because remember she tries to heal this. She heals a wolf. Wolf. Yeah, and they show up and they fight yeah. them off. And right. then she heals some. Like she heals a hawk, I think. Yeah, hawk. so I guess Whoa. they're kind of like. The, <laughs> I guess they're kind of like the in the Harry Potter, like the they're like looking for what's doing that yeah yeah no exactly they've got dementor 
vibes yeah, for you. sure. I can't remember the name of them. Yeah, and they're like they're poisonous. Like she ends up like almost snakes dying once. Come but, out of them. Yeah, they they're bite you. They're kind of cool. He doesn't like snakes. Gross. She doesn't and then like that, snakes. That's really like cute to Ash because he's like you're. <laughs> This ferocious warrior that yeah. murders people all the time, but snakes, snakes are the same. Snakes make you like, squirm. No. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. and they have a really, like, cute relationship. And, like, he's he is really respectful for being the primal of death and, like, this ancient Well, he's being. not, like, he doesn't really want it, you know? It's like he's not about that life. He's very yeah. aware that he's been placed in this role and it's, like, his obligation. He just has a purpose as well. Yeah, they both mm-hmm. have these obligations and he's been doing his for a long time, so... Yeah. yeah, he's kind of like like he's entertained by her, and he's entertained by this new feeling within him. Yeah, and he's weary different. of it, and like he's kind of exploring it with her. So I guess it makes sense. He's a virgin. I will accept it. He can be a virgin <laughs> because that's never been his. Like he's never been about love, and like, but he was in love, right? Did he have mm. one love, or is that Hawk? That's no, Hawk. I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that was Hawk. Yeah, so he that was never his purpose or his role. So like, it is. It's it's actually really sweet. Like he's well, this, like crazy killer. His, but. his parents really loved each other, and they did. Get, like yeah. he talks about that, and I think that he he saw what his father's death did to his mother, or vice versa. And so, like he kind of that's what makes him realize that like he can't put himself in the position where he's in love, and and it's making him vulnerable. Well, then apparently, though, it literally makes him vulnerable, which I still don't understand. Yeah, I don't even remember that, to be honest. (laughs) Oh, I do, because I was, like, hung up on it. I'm like, what? I don't get it. I'm sure it'll come back. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, like, the next book, we finally got a a release date for it. It's going to be all the way in November. That's fine. I still have to read the rest of the, like, Poppy. I never know if I'm going to call. I changed the name up there. Castile. Yeah. Hawk, mm-hmm. their story. Or Penelope is technically here. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna call. I just want more Kieran. I told you that. Mm-hmm. I was like, please tell me Kieran sticks around because I love oh, yeah. me some Kieran. <laughs> yeah. Kieran's a, a big player, a fan yeah. favorite. I think. <laughs> you know, it's so silly that I'm like, I don't usually like like the spinoffs or the like, you know, same or different stories, same universe. Because like, I always like the co-stars like mm-hmm. I'm always like I'm all about Kieran or like in the um Stacey Marie Brown books like I loved Lars I was all about Lars and I was ecstatic when they did well then he got yeah he got his own so, yeah story. I'm like I don't know why I'm like hesitant like I still haven't there's that one um in uh Sarah J Mass. I haven't read those like there's like a spinoff for oh, I don't know, name starts with an N I think you read it I didn't read it I don't even remember oh it's the one it's like one of the sisters stories oh nesta nesta yeah i haven't heard that well i mean i don't know know. they're like in the same it's still talks about the rest of the characters too so i I feel like it is it is like part of the same series there's Mm -hmm. like relevant information from the main players that i think that you're gonna want to read it at some point yeah I know Amelia Hutchins does that too, but she has so many. And so it's like, I'll read a book. I'm like, what happened? Like, what? Like, there's just so many offshoots. So maybe that's mm-hmm. where I got turned off by it. But I don't know. I'll try to be more open because of this book. Because this book was fantastic. Yeah, you were really like um, him and not him. wanting to read it. Uh-uh. So I'm glad that it made you go back to 
to Poppy and, and Hawk, Because yeah, I, I forgot like, that one completely. I, well, I felt like I was really, like, into that series. And yeah. you were like, yeah, it was good, yeah, whatever. Yeah, that was a like, series. <laughs> yeah. No, I just didn't, like, I didn't remember it. Like, I just, I, because when a stuff first comes out, I plow through it because I just want to get to it. But, like, it's ridiculous because then I don't remember it. And I don't even remember the ending half the time. Like, so I'm just like, why did I plow through that so hard? Like, yeah, it's just funny because there's like certain books that really stick with me. And like yeah. that series is one of them. Like, you know, the Court of Thorn and Roses world and the Blood and Ash world. Those are like real standouts for me. That's um, me for fever. Yeah. How well, yeah, I mean, obviously there's just no more fever. Which no is more fine. fever. It's okay. <laughs> there doesn't need to we be. We can put that one to bed. <laughs> yeah. I love you, but we can be done. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for her next world. So. Yeah, witches. Yeah, into it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I think that that pretty much covers it. I was like, oh, we'll probably try to do like an hour. <laughs> yeah. Here we are clocking in at an hour and forty three minutes at this point. I mean, but I could keep it shorter if need be. <laughs> whatever. I mean, you know, we just gotta say what we gotta say about the books. So, yeah. do you want to tell them our our theme for next week? Then we've got is that where what. Yeah, or weird wares. Weird wares. Okay, I just I just changed it. Where what? Weird wares. Yeah, so we're gonna do weird wares. Um, and I actually struggled with coming up with something, but we decided that this can count as a wear. So you're you're gonna be reading Merman, right? Mm-hmm. By Mimi Jean Pimpleoff. Is that right? Yeah. Mimi yeah. Jean. And then I'm reading some. I keep forgetting what it's called. Yeah. So your hot and badgered. Book, or? Your book assignment is hot and badgered. It's the Honey Bear Chronicles, book one, by Shelley Lawrenston. And I, I actually have to have to read this book too because I, I haven't read it. Um, yeah. But I do remember that it's one that was suggested off of BookBub a long time ago, oh, and I, I had was to like, stop with Honey BookBub. Badgers. Yeah, I was like I'm buying. I think it was actually free at the time, so I was like, I'm "Yeah, because that's that's silly." That's so funny. yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of different shifter books out there in that um, in that genre. So I think this will probably be a well that we will come back to, depending <laughs> on how this goes. I was like, so when we were trying to think of books, I was like, what would be a really weird shifter? Like, wouldn't be sexy at all. And then I was just like, I was trying to look up stuff. So I looked up Wear Turtle. It's not a thing. Um, But I've got a lot of info (laughs) about Super Mario Brothers because apparently they consider them Wear Turtles. Um, And then I was like, like, what would be like a hard no for me? And I was like, probably like a Wear Spider. I don't know. No No. spiders. Yeah. No. But I think that's about it. I think I could handle right. anything else. <laughs> but I really, right. I mean, I'm a, I'm a classic. Like, I really just give me a good wolf. Like, yeah. Well, yeah. Cool. I mean, it'll be interesting to, to kind of dig into this because, like, there's just, there's a lot of different types of shifters and do they need to even be there? <laughs> exactly. Like, I mean, wolves make sense because there's, like, they're pack animals and, like, mm. Wolves are cool and they've got like different like habits that like are researched and like some of these animals aren't all that well researched and like what about animals that like can like be male or female like you know it's I mean we could really open up a lot here yeah <laughs> and like the certain like habits of certain animals and like how that would play out into a wear version of that animal like I'm sure there's wear animals or animals that are not don't really want to have all that much sexy time maybe that wouldn't be a really yeah. good wear animal 
<laughs> or they just like they're you know they just take care of themselves like they can impregnate themselves and they don't sure. really care about partners and i don't know this is really opening up <laughs> yeah a box a, for me right Right. Anyways, yes, I'm going to read Hot and Badgered, and you're going to read Merman, which Merman. I was so hesitant to read that one back in the day, and then I, I kind of loved it. So. Yes, yeah, because Mimi Jean wrote the King series that King, we, which really we loved. liked, mm-hmm. um, and I remember you were like, I think I'm going to check this Merman out. I'm going to give I'm it like, a try. I think I'm going to pass on it, and I did, so here I am. It's my book assignment now. <laughs> we'll see if I feel compelled to read all of them, because I think there are like three. I have to yeah. like if well unless it's like unless I'm really just not intrigued at all it's pretty rare that I won't continue mm-hmm. but yeah anyhow. same here all right well all right we did it so we're back and uh sorry we took such a long break but we're gonna be deep in it for season three um so <laughs> to hear from we us we love weekly. it when the characters are deep in it yeah we <laughs> for sure and we've got uh we've got kind of the whole season planned out i think so hopefully we won't have any interruptions <laughs> i mean it's us so <laughs> interruptions are likely flaky, sorry yeah um, we'll do our best yeah all right well, well flaky we're busy yeah that's right and well, sometimes maybe you're busy sometimes i'm just tired <laughs> <laughs> hey life's hard right now so please escape with us yeah <laughs> All right, well, we will see you guys next week with Weird Wares. Thanks for listening. Bye. This has been another episode of the Sexy Scary Book Club with your hosts, Lisa and Jessica. We have more episodes available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you pod. If you like us and want to hear more, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe. You can find us on Instagram at sexyscarybook or send us an email and tell us what you think at sexyscarybookclub at gmail.com.